you're new or if you've been with us a while, thank you. Thanks for subscribing, downloading, and or streaming. Your support means a great deal. And now, I'd like to introduce my guest, Tim Yu. This is episode 14 of The B-Side, brought to you by Some College Radio. Welcome to The B-Side. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be doing this. Welcome to the B-Side. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad to be on the B-Side. So uh, before I forget, let's start off with, uh, just tell me, give me an elevator pitch on who you are. And sure. So I'm a performance and visual artist. I live in Los Angeles and I'm here visiting St. Louis for a couple of months. I'm at the tail of an end of it now, actually. Uh, while I perform and exhibit my 100 Novels project at the CAM. You're not doing 100 Novels here, right? Right, okay. right. So I've typed four different pieces here in St. Louis, two of which are novels. So I'm finishing the second of the two novels and the fourth of the four pieces right now in the retyping of uh, Burroughs' Naked Lunch, nice. which is number 55 in the 100 Novels. Do, did you watch that movie? The Cronenberg movie. No, you know, I've never seen it. What? <laughs> it's crazy, huh? <laughs> I wonder if it's just as crazy as the book is. I've never read the book, so mm. is the book kind of like... The book is, is really aggressively out there. Okay. Yeah, in, a, in every way, socially, you know, artistically, yeah. ethically. I think it's, it's, I mean, he really, he doesn't flinch. So you know? it falls probably in line with the movie then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I really should, maybe, maybe that's what I'll do is now that I've... I've really spent this time yeah. with the book. I should probably watch the movie in the next few weeks or whatever. Tim Yude, Yude, where did that come from? Uh, well, my brother has done uh, some sort of research, genealogical research. Can it's I guess on where it came from? Yeah, because, do it. Um, when I say it, I, always, I think of Sweden, and I don't know why, but continue. So there could have been. Uh, so there are a lot of theories. The okay. only one that has been really proven is he, he found a yeoman English... Um, family in East Anglia mm. going back into like the 1600s, 1500s or something like that wow. with that name. Um, there's definitely a theory it could be Dutch or mm. some other Northern European, maybe Russian. Um, but the only one that's really come through so far is the, is the English. Mm. Have you you never seen that name before? Like you've never nobody else has had that name. The only person, I mean, beyond our family, the only person that uh, my brother found was at some point. I want to say it was in the 1980s. There mm -hmm. was a a British governor of Hong Kong with the same last name. Um, he might have huh. pronounced it differently, though. I can't remember. Uh. Um, there are a few other like there's derivations like Y O O D. Uh -huh. um, is is a name that I've seen in a couple spots, and oddly enough, there are a number of Mormons in um, in Spanish Fork, uh, Utah, with with the name Yud. Okay. But I, my brother doesn't think we're related to them, so you Where, know, go figure. <laughs> where'd you guys grow up? Uh, Massachusetts, near Worcester. Is it just you and your brother? Yeah, okay. just two of us. What did your parents do? My dad was a child psychologist. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. He, he worked uh, when I was young, um, probably through about my high school years. He worked at a, a home for orphaned kids, mm. orphan boys, um, and they were pretty in pretty bad shape. I, I mean, bet. a lot of them get, that arrived there were abused in, in every way. Um, inter interestingly, he, he really kind of shielded us from that, and I don't think mm. I understood you know what what really he had to manage mm. on a daily basis until I became an adult um, and uh, my mom was trained as a school teacher but once she had the two of us she stopped and, and really raised us full-time that's cool yeah and they're from so my mom was born in South Boston okay uh, my dad was born in uh, Connecticut on the on the Long Island Sound in a town called Stratford, which is near New Haven. Yeah, you know, like a working class kind of town. Yeah. Did he ever use any psychology on you that you could actually that you knew he was doing it? Like, I know what you're doing, Dad. Yeah. No, I mean, I think in my in my belligerent years, yeah. I would accuse him of like, you know. You, you don't shrink me or whatever, but he wasn't. He was just patient with me, really, is all it was. Yeah. Which may be the right psychology, but was also 
is consistent with his personality anyway. Right, right. That's <laughs> so, <funny>. yeah. <laughs> what brought you all the way to California? Well, I moved to L.A. to produce movies. Okay. I got, I, what was your dream? Like, what, what kind of movies uh, inspired um, you to move out there? You know, it was, it, it was probably n- n- not as grand as that. I think I was more interested in it. When I, I, gra- I got an um, economics degree in college, okay. and then I moved to New York and worked on Wall Street at an investment bank for a couple of years. Was that fun? It it was it it was yeah. like so it was a lot of work and the, yeah. the way those programs work um, at least they di- maybe they're different now but you would you would get out get in there and they would work you like for for two or three years like nonstop like right. it would be massive days and you you know twenty hours and then you'd be right back in the in the seat again the next day and um, you learn a lot like wow. you you know it's it's so there's an intensity to it I mean setting aside. The, the judgments that we can make on Wall Street, which right. are fair enough. At that point, I didn't. That that wasn't like on my radar, and I was young and I was really eager for experience, and yeah. um, so I learned a lot. I knew after a couple of years, though, that I, I there was a little bit more of a, a creative itch, I guess, that I mm-hmm. felt I wanted to scratch. And um, how did you explore that back then when you were? Um, you know, doing that job? Um, well, there wasn't a hell of a lot of time to explore <laughs> anything but the job, I will say. But the, the just the, the, I mean, life is full of just, you know, d- dumb luck here and there and coincidences. And, and it just so happened that w- the group that I worked in was the entertainment media finance group. So I, oh. I gained a perspective on um, the movie business in part from the financial side of it. And so it nice. seemed like a, a way to go um, and I, I knew a guy from college that was at USC film school and we said hey let's let's try to you know make some movies and so I, I moved from New York and and you know felt that I had at least some background in the financial aspect of it and said this is you know let's let's give it a shot and so we made some short films and we yeah. made commercials and then we finally did um, over a lengthy period of time get two feature films made. Oh, what were the feature films? Uh, the first one was called Brown's Requiem, and it okay. was based on James Elroy's first novel. And it came out, um, I think it came out right, it must have come out a year after um, L.A. Confidential came out. Um, oh, okay. And it got bought by Lionsgate, which at that point was not the, the giant entity that it kind of became. It was uh, okay. a little more of an independent um, minded uh, releasing arm and uh, and then it took another bunch of years to get another one made which then got released it was called um, Garden Party and that got released by um, Roadside Attractions which is definitely oh, yeah. an independent yeah. they supersized me, Winter's Bone I mean they've, they're doing they a lot of stuff good, now yeah, yeah. yeah they put out some good movies um, so it was it was interesting. I mean, I think by the time though I was thirty, I knew that um, that it wasn't really what I was best at. You right. know, I was never going to sort of really satisfy myself on any level that I had I had done what I maybe was capable of doing. That's interesting. Um, and my mom was and still is an amateur artist, and mm. and that was very much a part of our upbringing. And I think when I was sort of having that moment of of you know reflection i mean it was too early to be a midlife crisis but right. it was sort of like well what you know is this really how it's going to go and look around you and um i kind of remember saying to myself that that i wasn't even interesting to myself like mm. and i don't mm. spend a lot of time like self-reflecting to the point of like you know everything's wrong and this is right. terrible i'm not that's just not who who i am but i did at least check in with myself enough to say you know this is this is probably not the answer right this is and, not the me i envisioned at yeah 10. yeah or, or 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 if i don't know that i can kind of look back and say at 10 i knew specifically what i wanted right. to be I, i've always been something of a cockeyed optimist i think and i think if you're that personality you might not spend a lot of time thinking about what it is that you need to become because you're so interested in just becoming right, right. and 
Which I think is healthy. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I, 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 that, that can work. And in my case, I guess it did work in the sense that I stopped in time, maybe mm -hmm. if you want to look at it that way, and said, okay, I need to just maybe pursue something at a slightly different angle. And that's when I started to make art again. I said again, though. I, I was always making art as a right. kid, up until probably about high school, and then I just, I, I lost track of it or focus or it wasn't giving me the answers that I needed or whatever it was, it wasn't. And so I guess when I say again, it kind of took me back to, yeah. and maybe that's a key to finding some, some satisfaction in life is if you can connect with the things that initially made you, you know, fulfilled. Yeah. Um, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I think that's what art kind of is in a way, right? It, yeah. It, it helps us be childlike. Um, Do you in, feel younger? Um, when you work? Feel youthful? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't, sure. I think that's a, what. Sounds I, an odd yeah. question, but, you know. No, I think that that can be, that could be, um, that could be true. I think I feel yeah I think that is true because I feel like I don't I haven't grown up right like so yeah so I think that's the same thing I think that's a good question that's kind of cool yeah and uh, thank you thanks which one did she say spicy I thought she just said the salsa is spicy. Okay. Are you a spice person? No, I can't. I, I want to be. Like, I'm a wannabe spice person. <laughs> but I fail. Let's like, see. it becomes too much for me. So you have, like, a wife, kids. What do you got going on at home? So I'm married. I've been married uh, almost 20 years. Wow. We have five kids. Holy. <laughs> the, we got the first two uh, came with her. Mm. I got them when they were 10 and 6. So I've had them. You know, for quite a while, okay. and then together we have an almost 17-year-old boy, so two oldest are boys, and we have a boy together, and then the two youngest are 10 and 9-year-old girls. Wow! So it's a big, it's a big range, and we also have a lot of animals. We've gotten into <laughs> how did how did that develop? What was the first animal animals. you had? Well, when my wife and I got together, we wound up in pretty quick succession with three cats mm -hmm. and and they were all rescues like that's our thing we, we rescue like I don't want somebody that's been bred right right I don't want to pay a breeder $500 for I find that ridiculous but yeah, yeah somebody that's perfect or whatever <laughs> um, so uh, but then when my son who's now almost 17 when he was six in kindergarten he he participated in the school science fair, and he and I um, made root beer, homemade root beer. Ooh. I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. And the reason I knew about it is because my grandfather used to do it with me. And he grew up on a farm, and so he knew all about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, so we made this root beer for a school science fair, and it kind of turned into a bit of an art project, too. He designed labels for the bottles, and he named it. Margot's bark after our dog that we had just adopted, okay. and her name is Margot, and um, and so we did it for the science fair, and it was it was such a cool experience that I kind of got this idea to like, well, what if we could do a Newman's own but for dogs? Oh yeah, and so we turned it into this thing where we, we all the money that we make. Like it doesn't. I don't pay myself. My wife doesn't pay herself. It just it really loses. Wait, money. all the money you made from what? From Margot's bark. Wait a minute. So you did this for a science project, and it turned out to be like a real venture. Yeah. Then we turned it into a commercial thing. So How did I miss that part of the story? <laughs> yeah. No. So, uh, so you know, like in in the Whole Foods in the Southern California region. Yeah. You can get Margot's bark, <laughs> and uh, there's a, cha a, a franchise of uh, soda sh stores called uh, Rocket Fizz. There might even be one in St. Louis now. They carry it. Wow. Um, and then in around like our neighborhood in, in L.A. and Hollywood, there are a number of little mom-and-pop diners and delis that, that carry it also. So um, how old is this kid now? Mm. 17. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. He can put that on his resume. I know it, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's ice cold? Uh,
yet it sizzles. Can he take his hand out? Smooth, yet it has a bite. It's root beer. Classic root beer float, a pretty simple mix even a kindergartner can concoct. Way back when Oscar was a kindergartner, that's last year, he invented the stuff for a science fair. And then we named it after um, my dog. Root beer profits help animals in need. I need drink. So we donate all of it, not just some of it, but like all of it, Wow. Um, to different animal rescue groups. That, that my wife comes in contact with, or you know, maybe there's a specific dog that needs money for surgery or whatever it is. And so that result has resulted in us become, becoming known as like, well, we're animal rescue people. And so if, if a friend like finds a dog on the street or something like that, like yeah. we're the first people they call. And, um, and as a result, we've wound up with seven dogs, and, which is way more than the house can handle but I was about to have. ask do you yeah. live on a farm <laughs> no we live right in the city <laughs> how did you get to being a vegan because we're I mean there's a little bit of cheese on some in here but for the well, most I'm part I'm a vegetarian okay. my wife was a vegan how'd that happen it was because of Margot's bark like we had this sort of this this revelation that like we're spending time and money trying to save dogs and we're eating cows and and pigs and like on an emotional level What's the difference, right? I mean, it's just true. It's just sort of you know, pigs ha are are supposedly they're smarter than dogs, and they have a, an emotional IQ that exceeds a dog's IQ. So, yeah. um, oh, good, thank you. So it wasn't it just didn't make any sense, um, and I'm glad we did it. I mean, I, I think sometimes my body misses the animal protein. Yeah, you know, it's it's a bit of a struggle, and I have. I have a, a form of leukemia that's treatable, mm. and I feel sometimes like, you know, I'd be helping myself out if I would eat animal protein. But is that something that they say? Is that the doctor has said? Yeah. No, I, you know, everybody's body is different. Right. I mean, a, one of the side effects of the drug that I have to take, I have to take a pill every day. Right. Um, is that I can get run down, like, and tired in the afternoon especially. Right. Um, and sometimes I feel like, man, if I just would, like, get, like more protein in me maybe i would like be more able to like just power through right but i mean who am i to if i've already decided that it's it's unethical like i mean i can it's hard can to go manage. against your word yeah you know? like i feel like well can i just like try a little harder to make sure i eat a peanut butter bar in the morning instead right. of a, you know a banana a banana so i guess that's how i see it yeah do you do anything, so you have the, you're saving um, domestic animals, but are you doing, any, I guess, cows and pigs and things, those are also domesticated as well, but are you doing anything um, to help those animals as well? Well, we've donated money to, um, my, my wife would know better, but I know we've donated money to like the Farm Sanctuary and some of those organizations that rescue uh, um you know, industrially farmed animals, however they come to them. You heard of the, um, what are they called, the bovine six or the cattle six or something like that? Mm. Apparently somewhere around here, St. Louis, um, six cows got away from, well, they're male cows, but I guess they've been castrated? I didn't try that way. Um, but, Steers then, I think? Right. That would be what they would. Right. So six of those got loose and just started running away from you know captivity or whatever and now they live on this farm um sanctuary with you know right. a couple of other animals and things like that and yeah. they just roam around and do their thing right yeah but i guess you haven't, you haven't heard of that one huh? no i haven't heard of that but yeah. it makes sense i mean you know i mean i think anybody with any empathy if they spend a little time like with with an animal like a mammal i mean i'm not saying we shouldn't be considerate of crocodiles too but like i think it's easier to connect with something that's not going to eat you? Yeah, or that <laughs> that is, uh, uh, I mean, we're, we are, we're mammals too, so I think right. we're, there's a baseline of... They say that we all come from the same sort of, you know, one animal, so like we all kind of grew out of that one animal, yeah. so I mean, if we're all basically the same right. in a way, it would make sense then. I shouldn't eat, be eating my cousins from... Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, I mean... 
the intelligence level might not be there, although I think it would be rash to assume that dead animals aren't capable of problem solving or whatever, but let's say they're not. They're, the emotional IQ is there. I mean, they, they feel their range of emotions. Like, I, I don't think we're so different and special that we we feel emotions so much more differently than, you know, a pig that's getting its throat cut. That's true. Have you ever, how deeply have you, I think about these things sometimes too deeply probably, but like, um, if, what if it isn't the animal that is not as, it's not smart enough to understand, but it's us that's not smart enough to understand them or how to teach them. Right. Or how to show them something in a way that they would, you know, respond in a method that we would find intelligent. Right. You know? I think that's, that seems very likely. I mean, I think we constantly, humanity constantly overestimates itself. Like that, we're specialists at that, right? Right. I mean, that's, that's our, if we've done nothing else we've, for, you know, 40,000 years or whatever, we've overestimated ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and as a result of the overestimation, caused a lot of collateral damage and continue to do so. So, yeah, that would make sense to me. It'd be interesting. Break I mean, you got to the... think that some, somewhere, some technologies will get harnessed to help us better communicate. Mm -hmm. Why not, right? I mean, they communicate with each other. So it would seem that it's just a matter of translation, right? Right. So who's not smart? Right. <laughs> I mean, we're the ones that, that should be able to do it. Like, right. Supposedly, we're so fucking smart. Right? I mean, we think we can do all these things. Right. So we should be able to figure that out. I mean, that should be easy, you would think. I mean, right. we've been living with, like, dogs, for instance. We've been living with them for hundreds of thousands of years. I mean, right. come on. Why can't we figure out how to, how to really talk to them? Right. You know? Like, have a conversation. They spend so much time staring at us. <laughs> you right. wonder if they're thinking, why haven't you learned how to speak to us by right. now? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, why not? And then it's going to, you know, be bad news once we can do it, right? Because they're all going to tell us, you know, <laughs> we need to be treated better. Like, we can't, right. you can't do this to us. You can't no. lock me up. You can't, you know, shoot me. You can't kill right. me. You can't kick me. I have feelings. I am a this or I am a that. Right. The, I guess the term they that kind of gets used now on a quasi-legal basis is a non-human person, right? I mean, right. that's kind of yeah. That's come out like you you have to treat non-human people with with dignity and also with with regards to the law, like mm -hmm. the the consequences of of actually hearing that language in a language that we understand. Right and can't deny understanding or can't obfuscate or can't like say oh the pigs are just squealing right. because they're you know cold or they're hungry or they're not because they're afraid of dying I mean, or when they actually talk to something we can understand and they're just repeating something that we said they don't right. actually understand what right. they're saying right that that like once that's unequivocally clear then i think you know something's got to give mm -hmm. maybe maybe that'll be a blessing though not only for just a step forward ethically, but um, I mean, it does seem like the future of the planet is going to involve like less meat harvesting and more of a plant-based food yeah. system. I mean, because obviously, if you could talk to a pig now, the agriculture industry, with all its lobbying dollars and, and billions and trillions, and, yeah. um, would be saying no, tough. I mean, right. whatever. Like you'd be in for this. Is very difficult fight, and it probably, and no doubt, it will be a difficult fight at some point. But maybe we'll be a little closer to seeing why. I mean, because humans, probably all mammals, beings, operate in their self-interest. Why it could be in our self-interest to be re more respectful. So right now, like it's everybody that's paying for it, as opposed to the people that are causing it. It's not. That's not in a in a true free market world. Mm -hmm. All these, all these assholes that want real free market, <laughs> right. that would be part of the free market equation. If only we can get them to see past their own lifespan on this earth, because I feel like that's where the disconnect comes in, because it's like, well, whatever you're talking about isn't going to affect me or my immediate children. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it'll be, I don't know, few more generations before right. global warming takes effect and it Although, destroys. Although, but look at like you know. fracking. I mean, how long has that been going on? 10 or 15 years? That's true. They've already poisoned so much of the water supply. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's outrageous that it's going on. 
I mean, it, it's just true. Like they don't—they're poisoning their water for their own right kids. for their own communities. Yeah, for their own communities, and they're and they're getting away with it. And knowing that, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to have to drink that because I'm making enough money that I can get purified water from France or right. whatever flown in. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I think there is. It's 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 not it's not even a failure of vision, although in some cases it is. Um, it's also a, a failure of the law. Mm. Like we're we're it's 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 it, we're not. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm, I'm right. kind of making it up a little bit. But <laughs> I mean, I understand general the general principles of the law right. on on things like when you do something, you're responsible for. You know whatever kind of damage it ca- causes we're not applying nobody's got enough guts to sort of say well the law doesn't allow you to go create this massive multi-billion dollar you know loss right. or or the way we currently operate is is that well we create the law uh, or we create the loss but we know that we can as a corporation kind of shield ourselves from the the cost of the cleanup and it's going to take 40 years for it to work through the, the courts. And then wow. the government is going to come in and clean it up with Superfund dollars, right? I mean, it doesn't, like, that's not, if somebody wants to be, like, a purist, right. which these guys talk about, like, well, then let's be pure in how we, we attribute the costs and the, and the profits or right. the lack of profits. I, mean, right. I don't think that's too radical an idea. It's just an inconvenient idea. I'm talking like Al Gore. I don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but that's how I kind of see that stuff. Like no, it's I'm not getting fooled by it. I guess right, is what, right. what I'm saying. And I don't, I don't think. I mean, I think a growing number of people are less fooled by it. Right. Right. It's just hard to dislodge the 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 entities that are making so much money, getting away with what right. amounts to a, a, a free resource. Right. 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 Um, did you grow up in like a you grew up in a religious home? No, I mean, my mom was, uh, I mean, both my parents, my mom is almost all Irish Catholic. Um, and both of my, and my dad was born and raised Irish Catholic too. Mm. Uh, and they went to parochial schools through high school. Um, but by the time they had me and they moved out to the suburbs of Worcester, uh, you know, it was more, it was a secular suburban mm. upbringing like most kids would have had in the 1970s. I yeah. don't think it was, I mean, probably half the neighborhood was Irish Catholic anyway. So, you know, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. it was all, I think, fairly consistent in that yeah, regard. Yeah. But, I mean, I made it through First Holy Communion at six or whatever it was, right. seven, and then we stopped going to church completely. Huh. I'm a total non believer. Like, what about your kids? At With five kids, I mean, you bound to run into one of them that goes away you're not I'm not opposed to religion in the sense that if it's talked about like hey you've got to respect people and you've got to you know try to figure out how to do the right thing um, and I just tell them all that like look th- th- this is a myth like the Greek myths and the Norse myths and and all these other myths and it's just a different way of telling the story and I feel like they understand that where do you see us the society 20, 30 years. Any way you want. Yeah, I mean... Best case scenario. <laughs> I mean, I think that... I mean, I, I know this much about myself, which is to say that I, I don't necessarily think I have any prognosticating abilities. I mean, I think on any given day, you can look at things that are happening and thinking, yeah, I mean, this is good. We're, you know, things are moving in the right direction people are talking about the right things and maybe on on some most days i'll say most days i'm capable of of feeling like well you know our system has withstood a lot Mm -hmm. and i think that there's a pretty good chance that our system will withstand this current disruption not necessarily without some larger unfortunate incidents still to happen but maybe maybe the you know if you take a 50-year view that democracy will still be in place and America will still be a robust nation so I can kind of believe that yeah and then if I think jump up a bunch of levels more though then I think it's clearer that that it's kind of 
baked into the long-term trajectory of the planet mm -hmm. that we're going to have to get off the planet. Right. Like, I don't see how that doesn't happen. Right, right. Like, we might be able to not totally destroy the planet. Right. But we're going to outgrow the planet. Just there's too many of us, and we're going to... Where would you like to go? Um, you know, I... I we're I not going to be here. Right. I know that. But if we were here, where would you like to go if you had a choice? I mean, I don't know that, like, I don't have, like, a, a, a deep space fantasy. I will say that. Like, I don't... Okay. I don't know that I... I'm anxious to, you know, maybe I'll be happy to be left behind. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> do okay. I'm like the grandpa in Grapes of Wrath. You know, he won't leave the farm in the end and they just drive off without him. <laughs> so if you, do, if you do get left behind, what do you keep with you? Um, well, I mean, I or think... Or who uh, do you keep with you? Because yeah. you'll have everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to make my uh, family stay behind if they wanted to go. Right. Uh, but I'd certainly be happy if anybody did stay behind. But you know, if I get to keep my uh, my art supplies and my books, then yeah. you know, I really don't need anything. Who would you else? be make, making art for at that point? <laughs> Probably the same person I'm making art for now, right? I often joke that that's who I'm making this podcast for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> What was I going to say? I should really write questions down and come prepared. Yeah, it's be maybe it's better that you don't, right? <laughs> I always feel like when I write them down, like, oh, for instance, when me and my wife got married, um, we had this table, you know, there's probably 30 people sitting in front of me, and they hand me a microphone, and I had been writing for, like, two weeks this speech that I was going to read, and for the first five minutes when I had that microphone... I just laughed my head off. I couldn't stop <laughs> laughing. And then after I stopped laughing, the speech was horrible. <laughs> it just didn't come off the same. It didn't right. come off as naturally as right, I right. wanted it to. That's funny. Nobody will ever see that speech. <laughs> That's great. How long ago were you married? Um, we got married in 2013. Oh, so not so long ago. Not so long ago. Right. We're... we're We've been at this relationship thing for a while, but... Um, Had you been together for a while before? Yeah, I think we were... Man, before I proposed to her, I think 10 years. Oh, wow. We, yeah. Well, that's, that's legit. So, yeah, yeah. We've, we've, that's we've gone 10 through, years is a long time. Yeah, we've gone through some weather. Right. <laughs> um, it's, been, it's been fun. It's been fun. Right. Yeah. I couldn't see another path. That'd be right. something... That'd be somebody I'd like to stay behind if, if they wanted to stay behind if I decided right. Earth was the only place for right. me. <laughs> right. Well, I have that, when you mentioned it that way, I think my wife would stay with me. Yeah. Like, I think that that's who she is as a person. Yeah. It would be like super, the Superman, you know, the, the wife can't leave, even right. though the, the pod's built for her and the right. boy, like, and then they send them so off. So you can't go anywhere. you got to yeah. go by yourself. Right. What's um, your take on all, all this? Like, how do you see? Us leaving the planet? Well, maybe, maybe backing up from there. Like, I mean, what, like the... The current trajectory, the fifty-year trajectory, mm -hmm. and then maybe the right, the, right, the, 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 the end game. Planet. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's interesting to me because I, I mean, I, as I grew up in like the '90s, and I feel like in the '90s it was a lot rougher than it is now. Like people just weren't probably as nice to each other. You know, that was a time when maybe I didn't grow up in New York, but I heard that Brooklyn may not have been as nice as it is now. You know right. what I mean? It was it was that sort of a time. Right. And these days, I feel like people are a lot nicer to each other. I feel like um, kids are playing, like when I was in high school, I sat at a table with people that look like me. There's only three of us, but we all sat together. Right. <laughs> and then there was, you know, a table of all Mexican kids and a table of all, you know what I mean? It was like that separated. And now when I look out, I feel like everybody's sort of um, come together in a way. Um, there's, those divisions aren't, aren't there like they were for me. And I think that's a good thing. Sure. Uh, means that we're all talking now, um, and then hopefully that'll carry out into the future. So that'll be the next twenty years. I'm thinking that the, you know, uh, government will be a little bit more. Um, what do you call it? Integrated. Right. But, you know, so you're so you're you're, you're saying you've got some hope because of the younger generation. I think that so. Are coming of age. I think so. And I and you know I had this conversation with somebody not too long ago, and. Um, he was saying that he was saying basically the same thing I'm saying, but but then my my look on it at that point, and still a little bit now, is that it's really hard to 
take power away from a people. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you can integrate all day long, and you know, but the, the power is still going to rest in one people's hand because they're not going to let it go right. easily. Nobody ever does. You know, you just don't let it go. Right. Um, and he, he agreed with me, um, but at the same time, mm. I think he was a little... I don't know, maybe he was disappointed. Maybe he felt like, you know, because he agreed with me, he felt like, oh, man, that's kind of right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, right. You know, like, right. yeah. Um, I think we're going to be okay. Do you think we're going to re-elect Trump? I didn't even know we were going to elect Trump. <laughs> right. I mean, and every now and then you, you look up and you're like, well, who's going to run against him? Right. You know, and it's not like he's a strong candidate, but for some reason, he's a strong candidate. Right. <laughs> And it's just because he's so, it's as if we've reverted back to that time when I was in high school where the bullies rule. Right. They didn't get in trouble for bullying people. Right. I mean, that's part of, that's like their job. Right. You know, right. so it's like, <laughs> right. everybody knew that was going to happen. Coaches knew that was going to happen. They'd just tell you to toughen up or get in the weight room, which is what I did. Right. <laughs> like, right. So, but there's nobody out there with that, you know, I don't see anybody toughening up right. to Trump. They're all playing this the new age game, and I don't think that's going to work with him. These old school, and for some reason that old school is working right you know, now. You mean you think you need somebody needs to get in there and, and shout him down the way he shouts everybody else down? I don't know if that's the case, but they definitely need to build up a, a strong case not to have him there that speaks to a wider range of people, especially right. his people. Right. Like this is people don't seem to care, which is funny to me. They don't seem to mind that he's a negative um, influence on like their kids. You can't tell your kids so this is what this is somebody that you should look up to when he's like the figurehead of the country right, right. now. And I don't understand why that alone doesn't take him off the pedestal, but it doesn't. Right. People don't care. Right. They feel like I guess no matter how messy, this is a tool for the job. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, you yeah. know, if you got to kill something, you got to use a knife. And it's right. going to get messy, but right. And I'm not totally for it, but something needs to happen. And right. I guess that's where people are. Right, right now, um, but hopefully when we get past this moment, which I do think we will. It's just such a such an oddity that that um, how do you elect Obama and then Trump? Like it just it's the oddest. Like it just seems like the oddest thing. It, you know, if you were trying to say what's the oddest thing that could happen in yeah. American politics, this would be it. You, you would have you would have picked this. Like it just it's, it's out of. Only out of a um, multiple choice because there's no way in my head I'd have been right. like, oh yeah, right, that guy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, coming after you know what you would have thought would have been a major step forward, which which was yeah. Um, I mean, really, somebody for everybody to look up to and be like. It probably goes to what you're saying though, which I agree with. Like, it, it's it's hard to take power away, and so I think that. That, that the undermining of Obama started, you know, mm -hmm. the, the night after the election. And, and, and those guys, yeah. you know, the old guard fought tooth and nail to just make it as ugly as possible. And that paved the way for that's terrible for Trump. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just because everybody was so fired up with this, that and the other thing. When I, I guess in my negative, my negative moments, it feels like there has to be some cathartic moment. Mm -hmm. Which usually involves like a lot of violence and which and we're going loss through. of lives, which we're going through. Yeah, because we think it's enough. Um, you can leave that chip there. I'll oh, yeah, I'll, I'll kill it. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. You know, but it's not like is it? Is, are we like so? We have kids getting gunned down in school. Yeah, what we, is that? Like, how do you even t how do you talk to your kids about that? Well, I mean, I've talked to the 16-year-old the about it a lot, mm -hmm. um, and he's on an anti-gun, you know, panel at school, and so they're talking about it there. I haven't really with my girls. It just seems like, you know, what am I going to tell them? Like, that somebody could come off the street and start shooting at them? I don't know that that's going to help them. Right. Like, what, I don't know what I gained. They, they, they wouldn't be able to do any more than follow I mean there are protocols at school like for, living in fear would yeah, is it like going to help what, them what, how is that going to like my son can process it in a different level and he could hopefully with a little bit of foreknowledge mm -hmm. be you know ready or readier if something right. goes down but the, the girls all I want them to do is follow the protocol they they do go through shelter in place drills right. at school 
they don't make it explicit like it's more like listen to your teacher which it's is like the most you could offer yeah like right yeah um you didn't have to deal with that. I mean, kids were, I mean, I grew up out in the woods. Kids brought jackknives to school <laughs> and threatened each other in the locker room with them. I mean, it was just, but nobody cut anybody. Right. You know, like, I mean, it just, yeah. it was a different thing. Um, so I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, like there was, what was it, last week or, or something Trump had the video game guys in and they i missed that what, what was that well I, they were to, there to make the case that video games are bad no that they that they weren't the cause of the violence oh. which is bullshit like nobody like you know nobody likes their own hypocrisy right right and, and the video game makers are all you know la entertainment people mm-hmm. who are you know liberal except when it comes to their pockets right um <laughs> i mean i've never let my son play first person shooter games I just I forbid it. I mean, if he's done it over at his friend's house, that's fine. He yeah. can get a little taste here and there, but no way. Like, so yeah, of course we, we, you know, when you when you let your kids sit in front of a computer screen for and play hours first and hours person and hours. Shooter, shooter games, yeah, for for years on on end, then they're going to be fucked up. I mean, right. yeah. So they that is part of the problem, without a doubt. Desensitizing them to just seeing death yeah and it's I not mean, look at how we look at how the army recruits for people now they they actually show guys in gunfights right which would ne- like when it's i was growing up it was all about hey i went to the army and i got a college education <laughs> right. or i like i right. saw exotic places it was anything but like the danger that you exactly and now it's like hey join us and we can go shoot people it kind of plays right to that video game mentality like that that we're going to get to go shoot at things that's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. I haven't thought about it like that. Literally, there was no violence. No, involved. like they wouldn't no... want it. That would have been scary to anybody. Like and that's the, you would you would sign up for the army hoping there would never be a war, right? Right. Right. Now now they're getting people signing up, who in their naivete because they've been playing video games think that it's going to be cool. And then they're probably not, they're probably less um, likely to be able to deal with the effects of it. Right. Because there is no extra man. Right, no right. Back. And and they're they're not like they're all these these scrawny little dudes that have been playing video yeah. games. Not, they haven't been running around outside. Muscle like, atrophy. Yeah. Like yeah, they like they like this, you know whatever. But but maybe maybe you know maybe the army's smarter than me in that regard because the, all they really want them to do is fly drones. <laughs> right, that's true. And kill people the same way that that's they do true. on TV, which that's is true. even more insidious. So, Did anybody in your family ever go to the military? Um, not in my immediate family. I mean, I think I've had, well, my, my mother's brother, uh, went to West Point. I have a few family members that went in. My brother's, uh, in the Air Force now. My dad was in the Marines. You grew up in a military family then. So you must have a real perspective on it. Uh, I mean, we didn't get to travel with him. I always hated that because all the other people that, you know, like, oh, you're an army brat. So that means you've been... And I was like, no, I stayed pretty much in the same place, same school, you know, my whole time. And, I, you know, my dad's traveling all over the place. The interesting thing about that is now in my adult life, I've been able to retrace his steps without knowing it so much. Like when we go visit someplace, he used right. to bring back uh, coins for me, right? Money for me. And I used to keep it in a little right. book. So now that I'm, you know, I'm not traveling and stuff and... Um, I'll come to a country and I'll pick up a coin. I'm like, this looks familiar. That's cool. <laughs> so he didn't, I guess my, my understanding of like sort of army brat is like yeah. you, the dad or the mom is stationed here for three mm-hmm. years. Then they move the whole thing here for three years. So it didn't work that way for your dad. No, the way he, the way it was for him is yes, we did one of those moves, but by the, but by the time my brother came along, I think we stayed in California. Right. Uh, but we had moved when I was in the womb, we we moved to uh, Maryland. Okay. I was born three years. Then, when my brother was in the womb, we moved back to California. Got it. And that was the last move for the, like the family. Right. Because and, his job was different. He didn't. His job required him to travel, but always to come home to his home base. Well, I'm not quite sure how that how that works out because he went to so in um, Maryland. I think he was a recruiter. Mm. And then when we moved back somewhere in there he became a cook or something like that but like he would go to like you know all these different places he went to okinawa i think twice 
boat for uh, long times? He'll go for like six months. Oh, maybe wow. A, maybe, oh, right. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever gone for a year, but maybe. So you wouldn't see him for months and months no, at a time. No, he'd just oh, wow. be gone. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. Um, but then at a certain point, I think that all stopped. And then, you know, then he went in and did something else. Right. Became a teacher. He left the service. Um, after 22 years. Um, and then he went straight into, I don't know if straight, but he was always going to school here right. and there. And then he just finished school off. I think he has like two or three degrees now. Wow. Um, a lot more than me. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then he um, did a few years, maybe 10, 15, 10 years, maybe 15 years as a teacher. Um, and then retired from that. And now he lives in Panama. In Panama? Yeah. That's where he's from. That's where it's like his family's from. So, his, so. Uh, he still has, like, people, yeah. relatives. Mom's in out there. Right. Um, his, uh, I mean, they, I got cousins and aunts. So do you visit him down there? Every now and then. I've been over there in a, a year or two, maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we visit him every now and then. Uh, do you like it down there? I, I love I it out no there. I have no sense of Panama. Oh, you got to go. I love it out there. It's great. Um, I mean, different for me because I have family out there, but, I mean, right. Just to go out there, it's nice, it's warm, people seem, you know, friendly. They're building a train system, like a subway sort of system. Um, so getting around is going to be a little easier. Um, is it sprawling? Like it's yeah. It's very developed and sprawling, kind of? Yeah. Panama City is a pretty massive city, right? Yeah, it's pretty big. Um, and it's getting, it feels like it's getting bigger. You know, there's malls on top of malls and, you know, stuff like that. Right. So, yeah. Well, that's cool. People building stuff. <laughs> right. So do you think he'll, he, he's going to stay there then? Like he doesn't oh, want to come back anywhere. to the US? Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Where are you going to retire to? I don't want to retire. retire. Like I'm not going to retire. I mean, I'm going to die in the saddle for sure. Like that's the way I want it to go. Like I want him to. Sitting up in uh, the bookstore. Yeah, typing. Finding me finding me dead on the floor of the studio or something like that, you know. Hopefully after a lot of years, but you know. I don't, I don't see retirement. I mean, I think if you're going to retire, you got to do it the way your dad's doing it, which is to say that he's still involved. Like, yeah. he's, if you just, like, stop, I mean, what are you doing? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Nothing. My dad is doing everything. Right. Biking and kayaking, working for the, um, the veterans, working to, I think he teaches English somewhere. Right. Um, goes into to, uh, prisons and talks to kids in prisons. Right. I'm like... He's doing a lot. Right. Which is great because, like, if yeah. yeah, that's the way to go. I mean, and so it's like you're not – he's just got a different job right. now. He's got a job he likes. Right. I just think if we're, like, not engaged, we're, we're – there's no way we're – I mean, I saw it with my grandfather who, um, you know, he grew up on the – this is my, my mom's dad who, who grew up on the farm and, you know, who – I made root beer with it then I was able to do it with my son and he worked hard you know his whole life and like in blue collar work and I mean he was a, a great welder and a great mm -hmm. coppersmith and and then when he retired in his late 50s he did a little bit of like sort of odd jobs um, down on Cape Cod where they were living yeah. um, but he, you know, my, my grandmother unfortunately died uh, fairly young because of cancer, and so oh, wow. I think it that took the the steam out of it for him somehow. And um, he never really he 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 stopped engaging. I mean, he right. got remarried and this and that, but he he would spend most of his life then sitting in his easy chair, you know, watching TV, reading the paper, mm. and even though he lived into his mid nineties, wow. When I look at like. All that, all those years, those thirty or forty years, where he just slowly mm -hmm. kept doing less and less and less. Like I feel like, wow, that's that's a waste of that was a real waste of of time because he was right. a very smart and talented guy. Right. I mean, he just just was the way he dealt with with life, I guess. And um, it's just too bad. So I I don't want that. I don't want to do that. Like I, I'm not at any risk to do that. I'm right. not interested in retiring anyway. But. Like if anybody was sort of saying, oh, yeah, I want to just sit around. <laughs> and they were asking me whether I thought that was a good idea or not. I would say it's not. Like, you know, what, why would you want to completely unplug from being a person? So I heard this great story of a woman that died. And I say great because it's the way that she died, um, the way that I hope to go, which is completely like painless, 
and just like in the moment of something like right. you know like almost like instantaneously right right <laughs> that's the way i want to go <laughs> now do you and your wife have medical directives like do you do you know mm. have you put put that down on paper like, we haven't written anything down but we probably should um because i don't want to be kept right you know i don't want to be kept it, i don't know that that's the only thing do I don't you know want, how she feels about it i think we're on the same page on that because I, I, it's worth going through because you should. Well, you, you, for legal reasons, you would want it written down because it might not be her choice depending right. on where you're living. But I know, like in in my wife and my case, she doesn't want to be resuscitated or revived. Of course, I want like every fucking tube put into me until the you know bitter end. So every it's a, it's an odd thing. Like, and and the funny thing is is that my wife is probably far more capable than I am of handling the pain. Like I'll be like a miserable bastard and and she would bear it, but she doesn't want it. Primarily because she says she doesn't want to be a burden to the kids. Right. And I feel like I don't, you know, if I'm a burden to them, so be it. You know, I'm, I'm going to milk They've been forever. a burden for Yeah, three. right, exactly. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, funny, it's a funny thing when you actually have to, yeah. like, put it down on paper and decide and think through those issues mm -hmm. about, like, you know, what, what way is it going to go. And <laughs> That's something we should do. I mean, it's funny the older we get, I don't feel that much older. Right. But we are getting closer and closer to the end, to the to a place sure. to a place to where we probably should like write up a will. Like this right. is the time when I think we should write yeah. a will up. Right. Um, but no, we haven't. We're still acting as if we're twenty, right? Twenty-five, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I I hear you. <laughs> so I'm not gonna let you go. Go back to the. Uh, yeah. I'm on to the, on to the seaside. I gotta get a. Uh, well, I shouldn't keep you any longer then. No, I should get going. So, all right, well, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you. I hope it was good. That's it. You made it to the end. But you can still continue the conversation on our IG page at TBS underscore podcast or hit me up on somecollegeradio at gmail.com. And do not forget to tell a friend to subscribe after you subscribe. And then you'll never miss an episode. The B-Side is just about everywhere you listen to podcasts. But if you listen on iTunes, rate us because it gives me warm fuzzies. Special thanks to my guest, Tim Yude. Shout out to Brizo for the music. This show was produced and edited by some guy. And that guy is saying peace. Peace.